welcome back to another episode of the Life Lab Podcast with me, Will Dorns, and my co-host, Ever Adams. On this episode, we talk about how hunger relates to your brain and why your brain overpowers your best disciplines against really tasty food. We also talk about how to build confidence in anything you want, why curiosity allows you to always stay relevant, and Everett tells his story about how his curiosity led to his weight loss story. We hope you guys enjoy. Are we recording? Of course we're recording. <laughs> God. Those are uh, our two intro taglines. Yeah, of course. Um, I I recently read a book called The Hungry Brain by Stephen, or Stefan, I think, Guillenet. I think that's how you pronounce his, his last name. But it basically goes into how does how does your brain influence what you eat and overpower your self-control and so i thought it'd be a really interesting discussion today to just talk about food how we relate to it how our environment also relates to it and then be able to pull some of the things from the book that i I thought were kind of eye-opening which on when someone tells you it seems like they make perfect sense but when you really dig underneath and you're understanding a lot more of how the brain has an influence overpowering what like we live the environment that we live in today and how are basically going back, taking a couple of steps back. Um, we came from hunter gatherer societies where there wasn't all these like really highly rewarding processed foods. And so we, we, we didn't overeat because food was kind of boring. It was kind of bland and so we would just eat until we were full and then that's all we would eat. But when we found something that was like insanely tasty, reward, highly rewarding that our brain was like, yes, yes, yes. Like eat all, eat all of this because you might not know when you're going to eat. Example of this is, is honey. So like there's like hundred gatherer societies that they would find like a honeycomb and they would eat like five pounds of honey because they're like, I don't know when I'm going to find another honeycomb. I don't know where my next meal is. But the thing is, they weren't then just chilling behind a desk and then they didn't have access to another honeycomb in a couple hours. It was then spaced out. And also the sweetness of the honey was probably more satiating than anything else that they were used to. Is that kind of what also led to them eating so much of it? Yeah. Okay. So that, that food is highly rewarding, not only from a taste, um, and then the brain kind of just um, d- says, it, it basically removes barriers from you telling your body to stop eating mm-hmm. because it's like, this is so good. It's so highly rewarding. Um, keep eating, keep eating, keep eating. And it also kind of talks about how, if you also look back, we we weren't obese in any society. Nobody was obese before only since the Western diet has really diet quote unquote. Uh, um, and I think really since like the late, um, 1970s, 1980s is when a lot of that processed food started coming in and it became much more available, um, a lot cheaper than real foods. Actually. Uh, if you go to the organic section now, it's twice as, expensive as if you go buy a box of Oreos, pretty cheap, <laughs> highly rewarding. Cause I, I remember when I wasn't, I, I was growing up, family go to Costco, we get the, the Oreo packs. I would kill a sleeve at a time, just sitting, just no problem. 
Yeah. And I was like, this tastes so good. And I was never full. I would just keep eating it because it tasted so damn good. I've got to make a note. Actually, since you have notes, we should write down when sumo wrestlers became a thing. Because <laughs> you said uh, that no one, there's a certain, you know, I, I, I that's interesting to me. It's like, did they start eating a lot to provide to wrestle as like entertainment? Or was there something unique in that culture where people just started getting so big? No, I think it was I think it was tradition. To, I, have, I honestly definitely have wrestle? no idea. To to wrestle. Just a note. Wrestle and diapers. Okay. <laughs> Just discard that comment. Um <laughs> but yeah, I think kind of going back to it, I think it, it all, it all, it all kind of stems with like our environment is not set up for success for us in the way that our brain evolved over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We were not, we haven't been set up to be able to handle all this available, highly rewarding, amazingly tasting food at all times that you don't even have to work for. You can just go to the refrigerator, eat it. You're bored. You go back to the refrigerator again, just keep eating and eating. Um, I think we've talked about the potato diet before where some guy ate potatoes only for 60 days and he lost like 21 pounds because he would just eat until he was like satiated. He's full. And then he's like, I don't need to eat anymore because I don't want to eat anymore. The, the food's not like, appetizing he wasn't eating baked potato loaded baked potatoes he was eating plain potatoes yeah. well there's also no temptation yeah just think about with the like if you're to put a, a few oreos in front of us and give us two we know not to eat more of them but it's tempting because they're so fucking good yeah it's really hard especially um, if you dip them in almond milk yeah Ooh. Un- unsweetened almond milk though to be healthy mm. with your oreos <laughs> <laughs> give and take give and yeah, take give yeah. and take Okay, yeah. It's funny hearing you talk about that, like how it's almost like you need to become like literate in nutrition and like how your brain and your gut and your body works just to survive and be healthy because we have so much stacked against us. Mm -hmm. Like if it wasn't for all these foods, eating out, entertainment, obviously drinking, the stress, extra stresses that we have assumed due to like the lifestyles we live, which again are all things that are so far removed from a hunter gatherer culture. Like you've got to become smart just to survive the normal things you deal with. Yeah. Otherwise you just end up fat. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's, it's just become very, very difficult. And I think and depressed it's yeah. And I think, one of those things relates to the other. Um, they, t- they, they, I mean, it's been well studied that mood, um, lack of sleep, um, stress leads to eating more food. But the key point here is that if you're if you are a stressful eater, there are people who don't eat when they're stressed, and there's people who eat when they're stressed. Mm-hmm. There's been times where I've had snacks in my golf bag, my golf bag, and I'll hit up. I'll just have a terrible, I'll have like a blow up hole. And I'll literally, I've noticed this now, like I'll have the urge to go reach into my bag 
eat the snacks, even if I save those snacks for the back nine and it's whole like four. And I'm like, my brain is just telling me like, go eat that food because it's like a comfort food to like, um, I mean, the foods that I snack are, are that I snack, the foods that I bring to eat on the course are usually like nuts, maybe like a granola bar, um, pretty basic foods, but still that urge is there to go seek something to kind of like calm my nerves, um, rel- release the stress. But if you're in an environment that has highly rewarding, highly palatable foods at all time, and you're highly stressed and you're a stress eater, you're not going to go and eat. You're not going to open the fridge and be like, hmm, I'd love to eat a, a salad, like a like a basic salad right now. That sounds delicious. I love like a, a basic chicken breast with a side of brown rice and asparagus. No, you're going to go like, where's the ice cream? Where are the cookies? Where are the chips? That's when, that's what the studies show is that when you have lack of sleep, it causes you to eat highly rewarding foods and being very stressed causes you to eat very rewarding foods, not real food, which is really fascinating to me that your body, when it is under those pressures, doesn't want, doesn't want what your body needs. It wants the most highly rewarding food possible because that's what the brain has evolved to, to want in, in those types of situations hmm. um, to get go for the most powerful, rewarding food that your body will be able to pack on calories as fast as possible which you i just like explained a super compelling vicious circle what no, no matter where you start in that circle say you start with stress and you lead and maybe that leads to eating poorly that probably leads to you not exercising which probably leads to more stress sadness is there i do think there's a there's a debt that comes with not doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. So then you're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're not rested. So you wake up the next morning and you're stressed and you're like, fuck, I need something good to eat. Cause I feel like shit physically and just about myself. Yeah. Then you do it again and you're probably not feeling good at work. You're feeling tired. You're unhappy. So you know what would be great right now is a real delicious fucking pack of tacos. Yeah. Or a I'm not going to the gym after Taco Bell. Yeah. Let's get nice with the double <laughs> bacon cheese. Nice. And like that's what I think is one of the craziest things about like this dialogue is as we're not talking about that vicious circle, but as we talk about these points, it's becoming so clear how easy it is to become just unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Because you don't like Everybody could do this one day, but it's doing this for months on end and years on end that leads to a a real unhealthy state. And I think a big part of that too is being aware of yourself, being aware of like what are your triggers, um, and then being able, I think one of the most important things um, is controlling your environment. So making sure that you have healthy foods in your pantry, in your kitchen. And then don't, ha- and if do you, you have do a have- pantry here, whatever the cabinets, you know, apartments way too small for pantry. that. Did um, you see when LeBron was on the shop talking about a pantry? 
No. Someone said something about a pantry when he was like, I think just getting started in the league, and he was like, what the fuck is a pantry? <laughs> <laughs> really? That's great. No, he's probably got a, uh, a walk-in room that could be his pantry. Yeah, we could live in his pantry. Yeah. yeah. And like one of his closets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sidebar. Um, but yeah, so like controlling your environment is really, really, really important. And if you do have, if you do like to eat snack foods and not saying don't eat these foods from time to time, but try and keep it in moderation. But if you do have them, keep them out of sight, keep them in a jar that you have to open up every single barrier to putting that food in your mouth is one more step that your brain has to go from an effort standpoint. Um, So first thing is keeping it out of sight because as soon as you see it, that is a food cue to your brain that says, oh, remember that time you ate that cheeseburger? Remember that time you ate those chips? Remember that time you had that soda? Whatever it might be, your brain immediately clicks and says, oh, that was highly rewarding. I can get highly dense calorie input into my body, which is going to be able to fuel my body um, so that I can survive. That's what your brain is doing. That is why commercials on TV, like a Carl's Jr. cheeseburger commercials are like just a fat burger fat fucking burger like right in your face and it's like dripping with like butter and whatever like sauces and buttered burger yeah yeah you gotta butter the bun oh yeah Um, keto burger right there yeah uh and that's why those advertisements are so powerful because they trigger something in your brain that oh i get i'm highly rewarded when i eat that so um I think that is very important is controlling your environment. So if you can eliminate those foods altogether, but obviously we still do like our do you do that? guilty pleasures. Do you, do, do you, you see use it? strategies? Do yeah. You, you got a jar of fucking chocolates that I eat every time I come over here. Well, I'm sitting right on the That's just for table. you. I, I don't, I don't like those. Chocolates. I feel like it's a social experiment against it me. Is, to like see. I wonder if they'll take a chocolate. Today. I haven't, I don't think I've had one of those chocolates just yeah. because I don't like those yeah, chocolates. But outside of your liquor cabinet, liquor cabinet shelf thing, but do you, but do you, do you mindfully go buy chips or something and then say, let's put them in a place. I feel like you and Jenna probably just have general self-control. Like chips could just sit out and it would, it'd be fine. It might be just fine. kind of curious. But I did come home today. And it's funny, like you start to like, once you know these things, you start to like notice the triggers. Yeah. And I opened the fridge, though I opened the freezer. I have no idea why I opened the freezer because I was like going to make uh, dinner before you came over. And I saw like this ice cream that was in there and I was like, fucking goddamn, no one's home. I can <laughs> eat this guilty <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> I didn't eat it because I was like, fuck, we're having this podcast. I can't <laughs> be hypocritical uh, so i did make the salad which was great um um but yeah so 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 hiding those foods or keeping them out of sight um is big and then just keeping them just keeping the food cues i think the word cues is really important because it could be a visual it could be a smell it could be any sort of thing that is going to make you associate that activity with with food and then if it's a highly rewarding food, you're going to most likely overeat it. That makes sense. Um, do you have some 
No, I just, I think it's funny when I think about that. Like, I, I think that. Think about the times when you're, do you ever eat when you're bored? When you're just bored, you're bored at home and you're like, I'm going to go see what's in the fridge. And you open up the fridge and it's like pure healthy foods. And you're like, and you're, like this is you're like, fuck. Yeah. Literally, like, I've done that so many times where I open up the fridge and I'm like, huh, there's nothing to eat in here. <laughs> and yeah. I close the door and I don't eat because it's all real healthy foods that, like, not only would I need to, like, prepare them, but, like, my they're brain, they're, my brain's not like, oh, yeah, like, that looks delicious. Let's eat that. I just think, I mean, all I can think is how I'm not someone who, like, I can hide food from. What do you mean by that? I'm like it's, it's it's not it's not like I'm creating an Easter egg hunt for snacks in my house. And you're like, well, because I put them in this corner of my pantry, I know I'm not going to eat them. If I buy them and put them in in somewhere, so it's, you know, it's I just think it's funny because I will just a lot of times my strategy, I guess my I guess what's sticking out to me. Is my strategy if if the goal is to uh, govern, you know, what I'm taking in? Like I'm just not buying those things. Yeah. If I buy them, I will eat them. So it's what's the point of buying them to hide them to not eat them? (laughs) Eat them way less. I think maybe that's the idea. Is I'd say to eat them less. Put up some barriers. Is like oh, I've got to take the chips out of the mason jar and unlock the code and. Yeah. The whole thing, like that's the idea. So you eat them less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense on paper. But when I think about myself, it's not. But it's, it's not. You bring up an interesting point, which um, Stefan brings up in the book is each person, based off of their biology, their genes actually has different levels of how much effort will they put into getting finding that food and then eating it so there's someone who like i'm not going to put any effort i'm sitting on my couch that bowl of chips over there too far away for me to reach and go get it but then there's other people who are like fuck i'm i'm i need to i need to eat these chips and and i'll drive a golf cart to talk yeah yeah exactly like exactly like they will go on a a two-mile walk just to get food yeah. from the grocery store because they're drunk or whatever like and so I guess so this, everyone has different levels of that yeah. and so yeah i guess this just is probably a point you're going to touch on later but it's just that personal awareness yeah you know like you would put out a candy jar i'm not going to put out a candy jar at my house that only went there because we had nowhere else to put it in another container anyways but like i someone would give could give me something ken and i were just talking about this he's uh he's talking about when he uh has a party and people bring over a bunch of chips at the end of the night he like tries to get everyone to take them he's like i don't want them here Mm -hmm. because i'll eat them yeah uh brian his buddy was like oh i try to give them away because i just won't eat them if they're at my house they'll go bad you know, like two people so with you, totally different ideas and approaches to something like that. 
Yeah, so, so think, that's like the biggest thing is like understanding, you know, based on what your goal is, how to set yourself up for success. Yeah, that leads to another point um, is managing appetite, controlling your environment, I think is the first, first <clears throat> important point. I think kind of then trying to manage your appetite by being aware of what are those triggers that you have. Um, being aware of when you start eating highly satiable food. Like for me, pizza is a fucking, I love pizza. I can crush full pizzas like on, on command, like no problem. Cause I love it so much. It's like being aware of like how, what are your, what, what do you like to eat and how much can you eat of it? And like, so that you know, going into the situation, like, okay, I love this kind of food. Like, let's try and limit myself this time. And then the whole time you're there, your own, your brain is trying to override your self-control unconsciously to like, okay, I'll eat that. I'll eat another slice. I'll eat another slice. It's your brain is always working against you for those highly rewarding foods. So I think being aware of that, of the, those high um, satiating foods. And then I think another really important point is limiting the variety of foods and there was a study called the like the buffet effect, I think, and it's if people had um, would just go and eat like three foods were out versus a buffet, buffet of food is out. Those three foods that might be out in the same volume, so you could eat your, your enough to fill you up. The buffet is all the food, but those three simple foods had enough to fill you up. You would eat way more of the buffet food because there's variety, and so your brain will be satiated with one type of food. I'm satiated with pizza. I've eaten enough of my pizza today, but there's steak and there's mashed potatoes and there's lobster and there's pesto pasta and whatever kind of dish that you can think. Your brain becomes satiated for each of those types of foods. Usually it's um, in like a type of foods, like a savory, a sweet, um, sour um spicy kind like of like i feel like you wouldn't really want to go from pizza to like a lasagna but like have you ever gone to, i've gone i've gone to like a buffet once or twice in vegas before and i like humble brag i just <laughs> i think it came with like the hotel Some that we were with. are expensive though yeah this was a, i think it was at like treasure island or some cheap ass place um but and i would eat one type of food i'd eat the pizza American food, and then I would go and eat the pasta. Then I would go and eat the seafood, and then I would go and eat the burger. And like I would have all these different types of food because they were all different, and the variety made me not want to stop eating. Even though I'm already exploding, my body's exploding with energy as it is. Then I'm just exploding even more. I'm going over the top <laughs> with energy. Explosion. Yeah. Um. And then that's also the reason why, have you ever said there's there's always room for dessert? There's your mm -hmm. stomach, you have a second stomach for dessert? That's exactly the reason why, is because you had a steak with mashed potatoes and asparagus, but then, and you're completely full, like you're you're full, but like, oh, let's, let's introduce a brownie sundae. Your brain's like, oh, rewarding food, I'm in, let's do this. I'm in. And so you keep eating. 
even though you're adding an extra three to four or 500 calories within that dessert and your body doesn't need it. And so I think being aware and being able to limit yourself from the variety of foods that you eat um, will be able to help you manage um, your appetite um, and just be more aware of, of what you're doing. It's, it's one of those things that seems so obvious. It's like, obviously I'm going to eat more food when I go to buffet, but like, why? It's like, oh, because your brain isn't satiated by just one food. It's satiated until it's how to fill up each type of food, which I thought was a... Uh, it's weird to think about how you... Weird like, to think about. You have separate buckets of satisfaction in a sense, you know? Yeah. Like to think of eating really anything when you're eating one food and you get full, but all you have is that food, like you're not really thinking like, oh wish there was well a pasta here yeah but it seems like if all that shit is there but then when it becomes available and like, you see the, oh. the then the food cue the food cue happens you see it you smell it you want to you want to taste it you want to eat it that's when those um you, you can't stop it's very hard to stop um um God, there was another point i was just gonna make um, I think it was that, uh, um, it was that like f- fat sh- or sugar, which are two of like the biggest culprits that people talk about when, um, they're talking about like, oh, the obesity, like it's, it's just sugar, eliminate sugar and you're going to lose weight, eliminate fat and you're going to lose weight. It's, it's really not one of those two things. Well, it's not really not one of those things on their own. It's the combination of adding refined sugar to fat that creates that type of food that is not found in nature. There's really no food out there that is, that has high fat content that has a refined sugary taste that is combined. Like that's just not in me. I can't even think of like one that is like that. Well, not even multiple, not even refined sugary. Like what has both at all? Yeah. What has fat and sugar in it in nature? I literally can't think of like one thing. Is there any fruit? I can't think of a fruit. I can't think of a vegetable. I think there are some meats that might have sugar in it due to that animal's diet. Yeah. Certain in like certain regions when they eat more like bear, uh, yeah, I'm thinking like berries a, and stuff. Bears eating berries and stuff. Yeah. Berries, bears eating berries. <laughs> Very interesting. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Very clever. Um, but that that's a weird point. Yeah. I mean, I guess and so, like, you're, that's another sense, example but... of, like, your brain has, like, no control over, like, stopping it because, like, holy shit, this tastes so good. I've never experienced this taste before in my evolutionary history until, like, right now. And it's funny, yeah, it's like, like your brain, brain's literally going, like, we don't even know what to do. Yeah. This isn't. It's literally not real food. Yeah. I I love avocado toast. And I would make, I would make avocado toast with just bread, uh, avocado, put some seasonings on it, whatever. You just eat that. And then one so day... you put the avocado and the toast together? Yeah. But then one day I put honey on top of that because avocado <laughs> is like a fat. It's like a um, more of a, a fatty um, fruit. And then I put honey on it. And it was like, holy fucking shit. Took avocado toast to the next fucking level. 
And like now if I have avocado toast without honey on it, I'm like, this is not good. I don't even really want it. Like it's like the combining those two, which I never even thought of actually until right now is like kind of maddening to like think about. Yeah. Is it a, le- is it a legit issue though? Have you gotten through the phase? I mean, luckily I only toast two pieces of toast and then it's like, okay, I have like the one avocado and it's done. Mm. I'm not like grabbing a Costco bag of avocados and just six avocados later. Is avocado a fruit or a vegetable? I don't know. I was wondering that when I said that. It kind of seems more like a fruit. It does. Because it grows on trees, but But it seems like so. they call it a, a veggie. Anyway, go on. I'll, uh... Um... This is the other point that I wanted to make is most people use the sensation of um, being full as a signal to stop eating. Highly rewarding foods allow us to blow past our calorie needs without even noticing it. I, I eat to when I feel full, not to when my body's like, oh yeah, you've had enough energy. So like going back to that variety thing, I don't even notice that like I keep, I keep eating, I keep eating, I keep eating because like my brain is telling me, Oh, you're not satiated in this type of food. So you have a whole nother stomach to go and eat all those extra calories. Um, and so I don't feel the sensation of full until I've eaten like an insane amount of food and like my stomach's like having an alien baby. (laughs) Did you write that down? Alien baby, the way that rolled off the tongue. I didn't write it down. That's like after a, a eating a full uh, DiGiorno pizza. Yeah, when your stomach's like literally sticking out. <clears throat> Did they talk at all about the actual um, hunger hormones in there, in that piece? Yeah, they, they definitely dive into the science. I kind of eliminated it from my notes just because... Too much? It's just too much. They talk will- about the hypo the lamus and the um, um all that kind of stuff i thought it was i always remembered the um well i remember one of them leptin leptin yeah and the other one starts with a g one there's out of out of pose can't pronounce it's it like right. ghrelin leptin yeah. and ghrelin or ghrelin or something one increases your appetite one tells you you've had enough but both of them are dramatically impacted by like lack of sleep, alcohol, and stress, which I would imagine yeah. would be in that part of the book. But pretty inter- and it, um, I guess what's interesting is that like that's a chemical that's inside of you, that like you, you literally will not feel full or hungry, like you said. Some people are stress eaters, and some are not. But um. Yeah, and I find that interesting. Yeah, it applies so much. Like, so, I feel like I make poor decisions when I'm tired. Yeah, you do. A hundred percent, you do. Not only decision making, but then how it relates to food. Um, so, I, I'm interested to know. Like, now that we've kind of had a little bit of a discussion about this, you obviously have your weight loss story. Um, but we kind of love to dive into that. And if you think any of this um, affected you, and if you notice looking back if you were able to change any of those behaviors was it pure motivation was it a change in lifestyle 
probably a factor of all those, but I think it'd be interesting to kind of dive, dive into that. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that I've thought about it has changed so much over like the last few months. I'm like, you know, still in it. Um, but because your, your goals change, there's a, there's like a point where like, maybe you're repulsed and you're like, geez, I just want to look better. And then maybe you get to a point where you like a look, look a little bit better, but you want to keep going for some other reason. Um, and so I've tried to think about like, how do we talk about this? And like, what's the point? Is the point just another weight loss story? Like there's plenty, like you could just Google one and be inspired. Yeah. But I think what was so valuable to me and what propelled me to start seeing some success was understanding of some concepts that I just did not understand. One is pretty much all, not all of this, but what this all falls under, which is, you know, health and nutrition literacy, just like having an idea of what's going on. Like I was someone who probably got away with eating poorly my whole life. Cause like, I'm sure most of our friends was playing three to four seasons of a sport, pretty active kid, you know, pretty healthy, grew up outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, when I was done with college, it was, it became very clear, like, Oh, without this crazy amount of exercise, your body starts to change. That happened almost instantly. And that was like a few years before it was like, well, okay, now what do I do? You know? So I think the literacy is a huge piece. And I think the interest in the literacy will tell you if someone's going to be successful or not. That's what happened to my mom. So it started with me. I heard about it. Uh, some of the stuff on Joe Rogan, a few people said some things that blew my mind that sparked curiosity, you know, Oh, this would propel me to make a few different decisions. Better decision-making might lead to me becoming a new person, Mm -hmm. but I hear so much of the time people are interested in like the trick. What was the thing? Uh, what do you do in the gym? Like, what's the thing in the gym? Like, I don't know, almost this interest in a quick fix, but I think the, the concept to grasp is like, if you're not, if you're illiterate in what you're eating, like it doesn't matter what you're doing in the gym, um, you're fucked. And so you like, you're not going to get anywhere until at least I, I think this, like you have to care, you have to be humble enough And be willing to set your pride aside to say, you know, hey, maybe I don't know everything, which at the age I was at was a thing, right? You're in your mid to late 20s. You feel like you know what you're doing in a lot of different areas of your life. It's funny, not to sidetrack, but it's funny. I was listening to a podcast with Cal Fussman, who's probably in his 50s or low 60s or something like that. Yeah. And then he was interviewing someone uh, who was like the airbnb mentor and and so this guy i can't remember his name off the top of my head he's like 58 years old and he said that he went into airbnb and he was there with like just 25 year old geniuses and he's like i'm in here supposed to be the mentor and like i I, people are like aren't you supposed to have all the answers and he's like 
uh, I've never worked in a tech company before. And so what he did is he kind of um, was like, hey, I don't know. I don't know all the answers. Like he had that self-awareness. And then he was able to then just start adding value by just asking questions. And by asking questions, being like, hey, I don't know. Like, what does that mean? What is that? Why would you do that? There's like, bravery how is this? with that too. Yeah. To admit it. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, I want to add value. And I know I'm supposed to, you know, convey this perception of knowing all this stuff. But I don't think I can help you until you guys educate me on some yeah. stuff. And I think that allows for really deep discovery when you are able to take away that pride that you might have. Like, oh, I'm, I'm right. I'm right. You know, I'm, I'm not wrong. I'm always right. Um, take away that pride of being able to be wrong. Um, give yourself the opportunity to be wrong and be okay with it. You can then ask yourself a lot better questions that might spark a discovery in something, um, whether that be in yourself or in somebody else where you <clears throat> ask them a question like, why would you do that? It's like, oh, I, like, let me pause and think about that. Actually, I've been going a thousand miles an hour. I don't, I don't really know or whatever it might be. So mm. I think not to sidetrack, but yeah, it was interesting. Well, At point. any age, if it's, it's a total, you can have that. it's an all serving life strategy. And I almost think it's like, it's not stripping away the pride. It's like pride altering because mm-hmm. now I'm proud of how I'm just willing to learn. And I'm not married to any idea. Like things change. Like you can maintain your pride and you can, you know, give yourself a pat on the back for the fact that like I changed my ways because I was willing to, you know, unmarry from some ideas that I had been practicing for so long. Yeah. Um, one story that I heard about Grant Hill who played at Duke, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was like a senior. I think he was a senior on the, on the Duke team and he would, he would ask, he would ask questions that, um, he knew he wouldn't, he would know the answer to them, but he's like, I know that there's freshmen on the team who are thinking exactly what I'm asking, but they're too afraid to ask because they're afraid of looking stupid. Mm -hmm. And so I'll ask a question. And he's like, I had so many people come up to me over the years when he was at Duke and then throughout his career where they'd be like, man, I'm really glad you asked that question because like I was seeing the same thing and I was like too afraid to ask. It's like, it's fucking Grand Hill, like legend. Yeah. That's cool. I think that's always a good piece of advice for people to, um, if you're looking around the room and people are having confused looks and you know the answer, don't just say the answer. Ask the question that they might be thinking. What an obvious way to lead, too. Yeah. When you're in a position where you're a senior and you've, you've got kids. You're still a kid as a senior, but you've got, you're 22 and you've got kids on your team that are 17 and 18. You know, pretty good strategy. Yeah. Anyways, not to completely divert. No, it's good. Um, But I think that's one thing. It's just like. uh, So was that one thing that you did is that you made a commitment to being uh, just understanding where you were at and where you want to be? And I think I've said this to so many people. I think it's part of the reason why we have a podcast is like, I saw something in Joe Rogan, someone who's so well-respected, so successful, you know, very silly and a bro and whatever you might call him, but so humble in the way he 
approaches topics with, with people. And I, I think the first thing that like really like I think inspired me to go down this road was I can't even remember the conversation, but like his perspective on something evolved in an episode. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, and he wanted, he was like, it seems like we disagree. Tell me how you got to what you believe and I'll apply that to where I'm at. And he's like, Oh, it turns out I, I think I've been thinking about this the wrong way. And it like to see someone like that, do it, who doesn't have to, like, that's not, you know, the point of the podcast or anything, but to see that for me, and it might've been something health related. He always has Rhonda Patrick on there and, you know, he's like a little kid with her. He's like, Hey, tell me stuff. I'm an idiot. Like, tell me, I don't know. Um, even though he's, you know, healthy and advanced and powerful, like whatever, especially at his age. So I think that was the first thing to where I was like, Ooh, I could gain so much from becoming more curious and being more open and looking around and asking questions. Um, so you then took that and you started looking into how do I exercise? I think it was just lucky. Nutrition and all that kind of stuff. I think it was the intersection of a few things happening in my life, like going, like kind of realizing I had gotten to an unhealthy kind of point in my life where like, I think physically and when I would look at like habits and how I was consuming my time, like I wasn't proud of what was going on and almost unaware of how I got there. And then like hearing this podcast, hearing some other people's stories, hearing some information about how other people live their lives and, you know, nutritional decisions that they make. It was all, I think a lot of good timing. Plus something that I always love to say is like, you know, being out with a few friends, like friends who like we would take, take where you're like taking pictures on the boat and i looked so fat in a couple pictures and i saw them and was like fuck and and uh i'll just say ken was one of the people who was like you look fat as fuck in that picture and i was like fuck i do yeah and that was it all i wish i had i wish i had been like writing this stuff down because it seems like it was all in the matter of a few months like maybe three to four or five months that all this stuff sort of happened And there's a part of it, there's a part of going through a breakup or moving out with someone or relocating. There's so much of that that sucks for everybody involved. But the other side of that is it's an opportunity for you to look at everything and go, oh, now I've got to build all my own habits again once I get home. If, you know, I'd slipped into a point where I was mindlessly doing things with this person and Nothing was malicious or nothing was really bad, but it was just not mindful. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what do I want to be doing? Like, I've got all this time. Um, what do I want to do? So you start adopting some habits and, and stuff like that. And I think that all stems from a little bit of curiosity. And it stems from dialogue. Like when you hear new ways, you can achieve, achieve new things. Um, Sam Harris was just talking about this in a meditation meditation session that I did I think two days ago where he's getting more and more into thought and like being aware of thoughts and he's like literally everything around he's he's so like cerebral and kind of existential in some of his approach he's talking about everything around you is a result of thought somebody thought about it 
And nobody could make that picture frame unless they were encouraged by someone else. Someone exposed them to how to cut it, paint it, ship it, market it, sell it. Like all, and it, it comes back to like some curiosity and maybe having conversations, asking some questions. You might learn one thing that changes your life. But if you're not asking and you're not open, or maybe you're not around that dialogue, how are you going to do it? Yeah. You could Google everything, but it's hard to Google everything. If yeah. you Google how to lose weight, your cards are stacked against you because that's marketing. You're just getting companies that paid the most for those results yeah. or strategized the most to, to be in those results. So there's something about true legitimate curiosity, which is starts with, I think I may not know something. I think other people have something to offer and I'm willing to hear that and apply it. Uh, you know, or, or, or try something. So I think that's one thing that about my story that I think is just the, like a valuable thing. Like what's a valuable thing. I don't think telling you foods or like what to do at the gym, like we could go through that, but that's known. That's what you could Google. What yeah. should I eat? Okay. What to do in the gym? That's easy. But like the actual, like real big mindset of like, how do you approach your life? How do you change it? What does it mean to actually do it? Is it an act of strength? Like, you know, which, which it is. Um, that's what I think is the most valuable. Um, and then the other piece is just like, is that kind of adoption approach of you're not looking for a magic, you know, trick. You're not looking for quote, the intermittent fasting or the magic thing in the gym. I, I think if you, or at least for me, I guess what it kind of was is like, I was struck by the idea that like, what I think is going to get me to where I want to be is realizing that I can build an entirely new lifestyle. It's not a diet. Yeah. I love, like I love my life every single day. And there's days we go and party and I'll eat an entire pizza or have 37 cocktails in a weekend. Like, you know, I wanted to design a general lifestyle that allowed me to have fun, do the things I want to do, be entertained, travel, whatever. Um, but like understand that there's a general lifestyle that I could live that I think is composed of some concepts that might include fasting and might include a gym regimen and some other stuff. I think that the big picture and the bigger understanding is what leads to long-term success. Because I'm not going, okay, what am I going to do for one month? What do I do to get ready for the summer? Not like now I'll never get out of control again because it's like, well, knock on wood. But like once you understand that there's a, a way to live that's enjoyable and there's a time and place for things and mm -hmm. you go crazy and you, you know, get back to your kind of things that make you happy. That's how you become successful in the long term. Like, yeah. to me, that's the most important thing. Like, don't look for the new thing to do. Think about, so I, think about this. Like, if, if you're overweight and you want to be someone who's fit, you don't go on a diet or go to the gym to get fit. You, you live like a fit person. Yeah. Which means a whole bunch of habits. The change in mindset in the way that you're approaching each of those activities. Yeah. Because 
one of those things can then go away as soon as you get there. You're like, okay, I reached my goal. Yeah. It's because like aside from a bodybuilder or like a legit performance athlete, every fit person I know has a ton of fun, eats shit food from time to time, travels and maybe doesn't stick to a regimen, drinks, ends up, you know, sacrificing sleep sometimes. But generally there's an understanding and commitment to like habits that aren't restricting. Like it's not a diet. It's not a don't do this. Don't eat that. Don't or some of it is that, but it's like, once you're literate and you understand where everything has a place, then you're equipped with being a healthy person. And I think it's so much of it goes back to once you're curious, you understand that the healthiest people out there have all these habits that make them happy. Yeah, They're not restricting themselves constantly to stay skinny. They have a cycle of habits. Like they understand that I, you know, I don't even like calling workouts or exercise workouts anymore. Like it's not work. Yeah. That exercise is the play. For the, me. It's the play. It's the thing that makes you happy. It makes you sleep better because you're tired. It helps prevent injuries. It helps encourage longevity for the future. You want to be healthy with your kids. You want to look young with them so that you can run around and play the games or whatever. Um, what are some, what are some, do you have any resources that you used? I think that would be helpful for people. If there were any resources that, that you went to and to. For sure. We've mentioned Rhonda Patrick so many times. Yeah. And I've referred her episodes to so many people. And every person comes back and is like, oh, I've listened to that two or three times now. Yeah. I have. So, and she has a really awesome website. I think her whole thing is like foundmyfitness.com. Mm-hmm. Um, she's awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. Probably a good a good place to start with her is one of her Joe Rogan episodes. I wish I could tell you like some of the best ones. Be- that's a good place to start because Joe helps you ingest that information. She's a legit doctor. Yeah, she's she studying. The weeds. She's writing in journals. So he helps you interpret some of that stuff that can be over your head. But she's amazing. She's got a... Uh, um, generally, Twitter's a great resource. I follow her on Twitter. So you see bits all the time. Yeah. Part of your news source. Like, I don't need to know what's going on in like media, but like to me, it's interesting to scroll through my Twitter, but a bunch of people like that and what they're thinking about every day. So that's a cool thing in general. For so many people, they're like, Twitter, like, what do you do on there? Yeah. Sidebar that made me think of going back to, to the brain and food cues. If you're following like restaurants and like <laughs> food, like Instagrams and things like that. Those are just going to cue your brain to like when you see those foods, like, oh, let's go eat them. I thought about this the other day when I was watching cable, like actual cable television. I was like, oh, a Taco Bell commercial. Like, I don't think about Taco Bell unless I'm like driving by it or you're like joking with your buddies. But if you watch cable television, you see like 38 Mountain Dew commercials a night, (laughs) you know, and if you you don't like you kind of don't anyway. Chris Kresser is another good one. I think yeah. his name is KRIS, and he's all about he's, unconventional medicine. I really liked his yeah. stuff. Yeah. Again, another guy that I was exposed to. Ben Greenfield, I, I think. Yeah. Great. These are more thought leaders, but. But no, the thing about the reason I bring them up is when you say resources, like when I'm curious, what I know is that they've probably spoken on this or they've written an article. Mm-hmm. And I know that I like the way that they talk and. 
when I first got into intermittent fasting, it was through Rhonda Patrick on Joe Rogan years ago. I listened to it and it was good and tried it for a while. And then I went back and she's, there's like a real famous, I think, 20 minute clip of Joe and Rhonda talking about intermittent fasting. And you go like Chris Kresser has got an incredible story about some kid who had all these behavioral issues. He's got that documented in a journal. So, you know, I think those are powerful in some ways. They, these people have created databases because that's what they do for a living. They actually write articles and they're every day they're searching and testing and talking and traveling to, to expose more people to these ideas. Um, so those, I, I, I will Google things like, you know, how carbs affect the brain, Chris Kresser yeah. and be like, what, what is, what is he said about this? Yeah. Or, you know, so it might, might sound kind of funny to, to say, you know, those people are resources, but they really are. Res- it's like, it's almost resources. like being able to call them and be like, Hey man, what do you think about this? Like, how do you approach that? Yeah. Um, I started, when I started looking into, I first bought a turmeric supplement from Costco. And then I heard some weird stories about, you know, did you buy the one that they're passing on the samples all the time? No, no. It's weird. They have like five different turmeric yeah, things there. Yeah. No, I didn't get that one. I got another one that looked kind of more generic, but then I, when it became time to buy some new stuff, I was like, I wonder if Rhonda Patrick's ever talked about talked this. About That's how I ended up with that. Is it Thorne research yeah. that I think you had heard about from yeah. somewhere else? I think Rhonda Patrick as well. And like, she'll have a blog post about like why and like, what I think is cool about her is that she's considering um, like being pregnant. So she's thought about mm-hmm. how these affect like her real long-term gut. So she's like, I tried this supplement. I tried this other one. Broccoli sprouts. Whatever. Like stuff. so much stuff. Um, those are actually pretty good in my opinion. They're really good to add to salads and smoothies and stuff. Yeah. Never tried them in smoothies, but interesting. Um, ben Greenfield's awesome. Yeah. Chris Kresser's school, I think what is important about him is he's an interesting guy to look to when you, if you're curious about an ailment that you have and how it relates to food, he's a real good, actually so is Rhonda. They're real good to talk to versus if you just have an ailment and you want a doctor to fix it, he's, they're going to give you something to treat your symptom. These people are spending their their life's work is basically figuring out how nutrition treats the causes to all your symptoms. You have acne, you have sore knees, you have brain fog, you're moody, you're not sleeping, your skin's dry, your hair is thin or what like these people give you information on how do I eat differently mm-hmm. to alter my body and my existence. Like what could be better than that? Like, and so I just had this conversation with Walker yesterday. He's like, dude, how are your knees doing with all the marathon training? Always had knee issues my entire life. All these people, Ben Greenfield, all those people that we've mentioned are really big on inflammation, as you know, and I've adopted some of the stuff, turmeric's one of them, avoiding some foods is a strategy and consuming a lot of other foods as part of that strategy zero knee problems for probably three or four years like i mean i remember when we just started doing squats with you i couldn't even you do literally a squat. couldn't do a squat it was like 
I was like, what is wrong with your ankle? Like I yeah. had never seen anything like that before. And like, now you say that like, three, three, four years later, you're like, I can do squats. Like no problem. Keep my heel on the ground. Go all the Yeah. That the flexibility. Yeah. It's all the result of inflammation and like food drives that. And there's so like, I had an argument with one friend who was talking about like what he knows he has to eat before going to the gym to give him energy. And it's all just things that cause inflammation on top of a very consistent diet of heavy beers, which causes inflammation. They also say that, and I've seen this over and over and over again, you shouldn't eat food right before you go to the gym. Unless you're looking to like, they even, they actually say like, it's better to eat food right after, even if you're looking to get food for muscle gain, um, versus right before, if you're going to eat, eat right after a workout versus right before. Yeah. So. I do a lot of research and on, on the web and I never just take one article as the truth. No. It's searching three, four, five, six, seven, eight articles and making sure that they're not just that those articles aren't just flooded with ads. Yeah. Or just, um, yeah, just biased. Biased. Yeah. Um, yeah. My legit strategy when it comes to anything really is to Google something and scroll through and open like five or six yeah. tabs yeah. and just Same. see what's interesting. And if, Really, literally, if a website sucks, I'm not interested. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of that has to do with ads, but some has to do with design. But, yeah, yeah, I I think, I think the other thing that's weird is like, for a lot of reasons, people just don't give a fuck about their health. Yeah. I I didn't for a while. Like, I, I, I weigh like 165 pounds now, like 160 now, like lost some more weight with all this fucking running but um um i was at two like i don't know if this is what i weighed at my peak but the largest number that i remember was 222 when i weighed i'm five nine when i weighed 222 like i didn't care like i i didn't care about what it all meant i didn't care about how it affected my mood how it affected my job my relationships, you know, romantic or just platonic, like family, like ambition, performance, things like sex drive, like so much stuff is affected by us being kind of illiterate. And then like not caring leads to not caring more. Apathy is the worst thing possible. Yeah. In so many different ways. I relate it to, to me, the way I think about it is like, for this long stretch, I was, you know, a high performance vehicle, but I didn't even know what it was like to put the right gasoline in it. And then I started and I was like, oh, I'll never go back to that shit. And it was almost like, you know, you don't know until you know. Mm-hmm. And it fucking eats away at me a little bit to know a handful of people that are living that reality right now. No, no, this is, no, no it's fine. No, it's like, no, dude, I don't think you know until you know yeah you know i if was you know I, you know if you know you know but um that's a that's a weird and part of that is curiosity it's like could i be doing better maybe i could be doing better i don't know but um that's a that's a really weird thing there's a lot of this is just my story right and like i was 
I am lucky in so many ways to for things to have happened and to be able to experiment, afford certain foods, the idea of changing habits and getting into volleyball created a community and a thing that I could go do that was just healthy mentally, physically, it was safe. It's not a sport where it's like really hard to get injured playing that sport. Um, whereas there are some other things that are really dangerous. Like you want to get into CrossFit, okay, proceed with caution if you're not well-versed in that shit. Like, I don't know. But I think there's there's a lot of factors that are worth thinking about if you're a person and you're not where you want to be. Yeah. Like, is it just the food? Is it just the job? Is it a significant other? Is it everything you've been you've learned from your parents? You know, my mom, our diet was a Midwest diet. Great. Like, I loved it. It was great food the whole time. My mom's 70 now, eats completely differently. And my curiosity sparked hers. My mom sends me articles every week. She listens to podcasts because she's curious yeah. and it's changed our relationship. To me, it's something that we always end up coming around to in this conversation that I almost forget about that maybe is such a good reminder is how much it impacts your relationships. Because yeah. I think in our case, it's two people who change their physical bodies, but then the, you know, you get to some point and it's like, your body can only change so much more. You can't, mm-hmm. you can only lose so much more, which, you know, um, is subjective, but it's the mental and emotional impact that lasts forever and, yeah. and compounds so much. You know, I feel like I, I had Greg say to me probably five months ago, I walked in and I hadn't seen him in a few weeks. And he's like, you know, Greg's funny kind of <laughs> Greg's hilarious. country boy salesman. He goes, what, what, are you, what have you been doing? It's like, you got a whole new vibrance about you. And like, when you hear something like that, you're like, oh shit, like this isn't just, you know, fitting into clothes differently. You just, you walk with a different swag and you want to talk yeah. to people more and you're more uplifting to the people around you because you've got more energy. Like, Did you read the quote that I wrote on the board? You come in usually oh damn, it. I usually do. What'd you read? What'd you it's a uh, confidence is built by keeping the promises you make to yourself. Mm, yeah. And a lot of that goes into if you make a promise to yourself to, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, whatever. And you keep making those promises to yourself, you're going to start to build confidence in yourself because you're like, hey, I can do this over and over and over again. I can do this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm saying what I said I was going to do. And it's just the guy who said that quote was Ed Milet. Um Sounds familiar. Yeah, he's he's gotten pretty big into like inspirational um, motivation things. He's done a um, helped a lot of really close athletes um, and business people and things like that. These were like half a billion dollars. Um, half a B. Um, started in like um, um, uh, financial management, I think. But anyways, he just talked about how if you want to do something. And you're looking to build confidence, whatever you say that you're going to do, if it's like, hey, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to live a healthier lifestyle. You got to keep those promises to yourself because otherwise you're going to look in the mirror and you're like, I remember that promise you made to yourself, Will? 
you're not you're not keeping it and you're going to start to like doubt you're going to start to doubt yourself and erode your, the, any confidence that you do have so i think that is important to keep in mind in these types of situations when you are looking to make a change if you're looking to make a change and so then because you've experienced a lot of confidence out of the change that you've made and i've always experienced a lot of confidence out of being in the gym three, four, five, six days a week is because that is something that like a promise I've always made is like, you need to be active. You need to be physically fit. And I don't ever waver from that. It's always something I do. Something yeah. that you've probably kept to yourself. Like I need to make this change. And you've kept that promise. And like, you've built a lot of confidence from that. This, this doesn't have to just be health related. It could be business related, relationship related, whatever it's going to be. Commitments to your family. Um, I'm going to be home at dinner every night at 6 p.m. to have dinner with my family. Like that's a commitment. You keep that commitment. Commitment that's going to build confidence in your family, that your family has in you. But it's also going to build confidence in you, keeping that commitment to yourself. Yeah. It's almost. It almost feels like. It speaks to like some sort of honor system in every aspect. Like if you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing, like you're just not going to be happy. If that makes sense. Like, in, because if you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing, you know, you don't deserve certain exactly. things. And so that's what makes you feel like, eh. but this if is... you do it, you're getting it. And you're like, Oh, I, I'm living like a person who deserves the things. Yeah. Who, who you enjoy. Who, things you enjoy as a result of doing those things yeah like there and i don't think what i do think is so powerful about the mind is that's a thing i don't think you can get away uh, get away from i think people can ignore why to be fit or whatever but i don't think that they can ignore this mental cycle that's if you're not doing it you know you don't deserve it and so you don't demand it for yourself yeah the word deserve is like exactly Something that I like wanted to bring up is if you're doing all the right things, you're keeping those promises to yourself, you're putting in that work, you're creating good habits, you're doing things within the best practices of whatever field, whatever it might be, you're going to be like, I deserve this. I deserve that I'm making this much money. I deserve to have a great loving relationship. I deserve to have a great family. I deserve these things because I'm putting the things in place and I'm doing the work to deserve them. Yeah. And if you think about it, we're the majority of people are good. You're not going to live up to something that you feel like you don't deserve. If you don't feel like you deserve a salary, that's like whatever it might be. And you're like, I don't really deserve the salary. You're going to feel like a fraud. Whereas, and so you're not going to feel like you deserve it. So you're going to start to like lose confidence. So the majority or of people, you're not even going to ask. There's a part of it yeah. that works backwards. But the majority of people are not going to feel like they deserve something until they put in the work, until they've made those commitments, yeah. until they've made those promises. Whereas someone who is um, shady or um, I'm blanking on the word, let's just say a shady person who might cut people out of a deal or whatever those things, they don't, they're different than the majority of people. They're like, hmm. I don't, I don't get what I deserve. I just steal or I theft or whatever. And so 
they, they have no concept of deserving anything. They're just like, I'm just going to take what I can get. Whereas the majority of people, you're going to build your confidence by putting in the work so that your mind knows I deserve this. I put in the work to deserve this, to get to the place where I'm at. Yeah. And that I think builds a lot of confidence because you're like, no one else is doing this. No one else is putting this time in the gym. No one else is doing this. No one else is showing up to their family every day. No one else is whatever it might be like that. It's just going to make you so much more confident and build up, build yourself up to have a positive impact on everyone else around you. That's like, there, there's a never ending theme that I think everyone can agree on when you've heard any super successful person speak about their success or their career, particularly athletes um, that are crazy high achievers. There's, there's this brandishing confidence and, and, and like acceptance of their greatness. I think in both ways as a result of how they work and why they work. Mm -hmm. Like you hear Kobe talk and it's like, of course he's Kobe because he worked in a way that was different than anyone else. Yeah. But he knew he had to work in a way that was different than everyone else to be that person. Like mm-hmm. he knew that. And I think he knew that the entire time. And so many people that you talk. And so I think what's funny is when you hear them talk, it's almost chilling. You're like, oh, God, that's so cocky. Yeah. But it's like, well, duh. That like you don't you just don't accomplish that unless you think, what do I have to do to accomplish it? Oh, I can do that. Oh, now that I've done all this, I deserve to win this much. Yeah. Logic, uh, the rapper, has this great line in this song called Numbers, which is back from like 2012 or 2013. I think it was off like a mixtape that he had. And at the very end of the song, he's just talking like super, super cocky. And at the very end, um, he's like, uh, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the work, like the work that I'm putting in to be this confident like I'm yeah. not talking like I'm not just being all braggadocious just because like I, I can. I'm talking about like I'm putting in the work, yeah. and that's what I'm talking about. I respect him so much for his his like integration of mental health into into rap music, yeah. especially as who he is. Like so interesting. Um, I think I've almost sounded something out as you've asked me some of these questions that I have to say um, that I don't, I don't know if I've, I feel like I've articulated even to myself well enough that I think is one of the biggest keys to like improving your health. I think specifically if you're someone who's like, like physically looks at themselves and like maybe wants to look different I think I think what's crazy, and this goes back to mentioning people not caring for whatever reason. I think one of the biggest things is that like we underestimate the benefits and the luxuries of health. It's a, we, found, it's a think, foundation for me. I think we, yeah, but I think, yeah, yeah well, I think I'm maybe speaking to to almost myself at one stage where it's like I can look back and and think about all the things that I enjoy now 
that seemingly have nothing to do with eating or lifting a weight that I enjoy now that I didn't, that I wasn't enjoying then or not near as much. And when I, so it, it leads me to like, what's, what's a simple statement or something like, I think we've said a lot of things that might resonate deeply, but when you think about underestimating, I think, I don't think there's a lot of people that realize that improving their health likely leads to them making more money and having better relationships and like having more fun. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're under Like you're just, I think you're just thinking about like, well, I don't need to, I don't need to run 10 miles. That's not the point. I think what, what is so missed and I think what allows people to be so mindless and kind of lax about it is that they're not even realizing what like, I mean, it's a pretty fucking good one for someone who's a certain weight. Let's be honest, dude. You're not having a lot of sex. <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be honest. It's pretty fucking easy, though. Like, there's a really good chance you lose some weight. You gain a little bit of confidence. You probably don't even think you deserve to have a lot of sex, but you want to. Like, these are the things that I think people are under, underestimating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really, and and they're definitely not talking about. Like, I see, you know, who am I to make assumptions? But there's oftentimes, like, I see obese couples, and maybe they look happy, but I'm like, are they, they're not having sex. They can't, like, this is, this is a mess. But it's like, but seriously, like, yeah, what, I know. what things could we offer to this conversation that might light a spark? There's probably some people out there, I hope they hear this podcast, but like, it's these are a few examples, mm-hmm. but like, if that's not enough for you to, to spark some curiosity of little changes you can make, maybe roll back the pride for a couple days and like try some different stuff, like, if that's not enough to make some changes or contemplate some changes, then I don't know what is. Yeah. But I don't hear that a lot. Like I don't, I don't hear that a lot of places. Oh, I'm having a lot more sex now because I lost 40 pounds. I don't hear that a lot, but it's a, it's, I mean, no fax machine facts. (laughs) I like that. I've never heard that before. Oh my God. Uh... But like, you know, those those are simple examples. I don't think I can directly attribute making more money to losing weight, but I feel a lot more confident at my job, which permeates because of how I feel about myself. Which people have get that energy from you. Yeah, they feel that confidence, and people want to buy your your sales. People want to buy things from someone who seems confident. Yeah, because they're going to be like, oh, he's confident. He's probably confident in what he's selling. So I'm gonna be more trustful to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's the general bargaining chip in all of life. I think you want to be able to trust your friends and it makes people feel safe. I think if you're confident in yourself, um, you can provide shelter. That's why partners get together. Like that leads to more things. Same. It's the, it's like the same motion that would maybe lead to you being more successful on a job than it would 
being more successful, like romantically, or even with your friends, like friends or new people. Like if you trust yourself, they trust you. If you don't trust yourself, like, or think that you deserve to be someone's friend or that you have something to offer, you might as well stay home Mm -hmm. because you're fucked. You know, it's weird. It's, it feels good to feel myself blushing a little bit. Cause it's like, this is, these are the valuable things people need to hear. Yeah. Fully agree. Is it weird that I think about that? Like see a couple and be like, Oh man. I hope, like it, it, I it, hope it they're makes, getting it on, but I don't know. It makes me want to, you know, talk to them Yeah. and be like, Hey, you know, there's a lot more to it than just not drinking a 30, two gallon or ounce diet coke every day they're gonna say a 30 rack of beer night that too that too most like that too but like there's way more to it than just this i think that's that's shit that's why i'm like that's why i love doing the podcast is because i i feel like i see other people and i want to have conversations conversations with them and i want to be able to help them and just be curious with them like what like what 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 are you going through like is there anything I can do to help? Like, like, do you know about this, this, and this? Like, have you thought about this? Like, just, just. Like, yeah. I think a lot of that though comes com- with the assumption that people are curious and that they want to be better. Yeah. That's what's crazy. You know, I think there's so many people that are so far down a road that they're not thinking every day about like, where can I be in three months if I just tried some new stuff, you know? And even that's the dialogue that could be helpful. Like, are we even thinking about it? Like, just because you're 45 and you've been this big for 20 years, does that mean you shouldn't be thinking about it? Yeah, it's or never you, too late. You live in a place, I think that's this is an uh, interesting one. Like, you live in a place, a certain place, like maybe you drive through a certain town. Someone who's 50 pounds overweight is just normal in that town. Mm-hmm. There's no South. one in that town talking about improvement of any kind let alone eating differently yeah i think of and that those towns that's lies that's lies because i think deep down everybody wants to be having good relationships and having a healthy sex life and looking themselves in the mirror and walking with some swag like i do think deep down we all want that that's a hunter-gatherer thing like you had to have that to pass on your genes that's what we're evolved to do that's what we're meant to do so the further you stray from that, I do think deep down, the more unhappy you really are. Even though some people can be really fat and seem really happy and fun. <laughs> Maybe they are. Hopefully Maybe they, they are. are. And that's, that's where it's like, are. more power to them. That's where it's like, you know, who am I to say anything to anyone? But like, I do think there's, you know, it's another one of those moments where it's just like, these are the concepts and kind of the results that I, subscribe to and then have enjoyed it's got to help somebody yeah not everybody wants it there's people who are just adverse to self-help <clears throat> yeah i definitely would agree on that um you gotta you i think you you got some key points there you, you gotta want it you gotta understand that you just you gotta think that you deserve it you gotta put in that work to deserve it but I think first and foremost, you got to be curious. Like, yeah. I mean, the book that I read, The Hungry Brain, not the most fun book to read. It was pretty dense in some points talking about the brain and how it interacts with other things. But I was like, 
you get through that and like you get to these points where it's like wow like that is really fascinating like really interesting stuff that like I can then go and apply to like my life and hopefully better my life because of it or if not I just understand the way something works better yeah yeah man we should I almost feel like we should listen to this again and like try to summarize in a few words like what the most important things are because I think there's when you're talking about a certain thing, it seems like the most important thing, but then you breeze over something else. And you're like, Oh, but this is just as important. Yeah. And when I think about like some of the big ones that are overlooked, I think about my mom. One of the things that really kicked her off is, is we were going to, we were going to fly. Like I had proposed the idea to fly somewhere with her and because of her weight, she didn't want to go to the airport she didn't want to like get on a plane and she had such bad knee problems that she didn't want to have to deal with walking all the way through the airport. Wow. And she had so much pride that she didn't want to be one of those people that was on a wheelchair or something. Or the car that's wheeling you throughout the airport. Yeah. yeah. So here's, what's actually really interesting about it is she, her first thing was like, well, I'm not doing something like that until I get my knee surgery. She was supposed to get this knee surgery. Uh, I think maybe a replacement knee because it's like so much arthritis because when you're so big, it's just so hard on all your joints. Yeah. It's gravity. It, that's so simple. Um, so I was like, well, some leverage point that I have is like, Hey, as your son, maybe take some responsibility and like, go get the consultation and see what the doctor says about what it would look like. One of her hesitations was, what am I going to do? Just not work? Be at home by myself all the time? I said, I'll move in with you, help you through the recovery, like whatever. Set you up a bedroom downstairs so you don't have to worry about the stairs all the time. Go, just go see what the fuck they say. Yeah. And the doctor was like, the best thing for the actual success of the surgery, but also the recovery, the absolute most important thing is that you lose 50 pounds. Because even if we put a new knee in you, 50 less pounds makes that knee so much sturdier and mm -hmm. it's going to last going to be such a better investment that around some of the other things I was doing at that time was it one of those moments for her was a bunch of things intersecting and she is someone who like almost needed a little chip on her shoulder. Why am I doing this every day? Why am I not eating what I want to be eating? All the fucking Diet Cokes, dude. She was one of those people. Yeah. It's just a thing. And I can think about her like being home alone. Like it's a fun thing to do. Like have a Diet Coke. Like have one with dinner. Have one afterwards. Have one with Jeopardy. Like you've got to have, a, I think, a conviction that keeps you going. So for her, maybe some curiosity led to it. But then it was some legit conviction that has three, four years later, born an entirely new person. And, and that conviction, you know, was stemmed from dialogue about our relationship. Mm -hmm. We could do something that we can't do now if you change some habits. Mm -hmm. And she, our relationship and the way she valued it at that time was enough for her to say, now nothing's in my way. 50 pounds? That was 150 pounds ago. So I think that is a great example, actually, of 
if you do set goals, tie those goals to something meaningful to you. Yeah. So it's not just, I want to lose weight. It's, I want to lose weight because I want to go on a trip with my son. But how do you get there? That was happenstance. It wasn't until she was 69 and something randomly happened where we felt like we needed to fly. It wasn't a vacation, really. It was a weird thing. So how do you, I think you're right. But I think maybe something to think about is like, how do you get there? We got lucky, kind of. Yeah. But I think you gotta, I think that takes some time of reflection. There's no other way. Unless you have that type of um, thing that's always staring you in the face when you look in the mirror, like, I want to be this, I want to do that, I want to be this because of that. like, So that's why I'll work towards those goals. If you don't have those types of things to supplement the reason why you have the goal, Ooh. then you need to do a lot of reflection. I think you just nailed it. That. I think you just nailed it. I think you may have arrived at something tangible. If you write, if you're writing a goal, like why is that the goal? And I think some of that sparks the reflection that mm-hmm. might get you to something that's so deep yeah. that it's undeniable. Yeah, I think that's where some of the magic happens, where you're like, this isn't, it's not shallow. It's like the deeper it is, the more of a chance you have to make every because it's like reaching the goal is just the result of a a hundred thousand decisions yeah and i don't think you consist you make most of those decisions the right way without some like real conviction and it you know it can be different for everybody Mm -hmm. it can be shallow it could be i just want to be in a bathing suit and that's okay whatever but i whatever drives you yeah fuck what has this been like two hours uh we're going on an hour 30 now we always get carried away i know it's been a great conversation, though. Yeah, it always happens. We we get it's, we're like too a, fun. We're like a freight train. It's slow to get started, but yeah. once we get going, it's hard to slow down. down. Yeah, that's why Joe Rogan has like three hour, <laughs> four hour podcasts every time. Yeah, I remember him talking about that. Like how part of it with some people is like it takes a while for people to loosen up or to feel comfortable, gain some trust, feel not judged. You know, remember how many people were like, man, your guys' podcasts are long. How long are you going to make them? And we've always been like, the long ones seem good because gems come out and you have time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't rush thoughts and the way that your brain processes things and makes connections. Um, It's why 30 second things, two minute interviews on CNN are in my opinion, for the most part, worthless. They're trash. Because you don't allow someone to get into a deep thought and explore an idea because they haven't had time. They're just giving their basic thoughts. There's no chance for them to... There's no chance in a CNN debate that's five minutes long for someone to give their point, hear the other point, and be like, hmm, you're right. Like, let me, let's let's explore that idea. Mm-hmm. So maybe I can change my perspective. There's no time for that, but there is when we're having these discussions. Yeah. So before we close out, any, any shout outs you want to give to anybody who maybe has not ever been shat out on the podcast before? Um, 
I'd say shout out to Liv for giving encouraging words of the podcast. Much appreciated. What do you mean? Just encouraging words that we're doing the right thing and Liv, Olivia Sparks. Yeah, that we're what you say moving in the right direction and uh, the guests that we brought brought on have been really valuable oh. for her. Um, and yeah, it's it's you think you always think you're doing the right thing, but it's it is nice to hear those types of things that there is value and it's not just us up here dicking away for a couple of hours wasting wasting your time that's not what we want this to be we want this to be adding value to your your lives and also us exploring our own ideas and thoughts and what we're excited about yeah cool glad i asked what about you uh I mean, I guess on that note, I don't know if I've talked about this, but uh, Max Nelson had something really nice to say about uh, Andrew, which I was hoping to kind of, I don't know, mention almost as a testimonial. But he said that encouraged him to like reach out to a financial planner, like listening to that episode. Take action. That's and I walked in the office, like said hello in passing, and he was like, hey, 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 I got to tell you. I was like, fuck. We should keep doing a podcast. Yeah. But I mean, shout out to Andrew for that. Shout out to Max for, you know, kind of being humble enough to say something like that. You know, I think we always say it in our intros, like, please give us feedback. But yeah. like, we're like serious, like, please. Yeah, we really like, want it. Tell us something cool as quickly as you want to tell us something negative. Yeah. Like, and if you want to talk with us, let us know because we'd love to talk as well. Yeah. Everybody should have a podcast. Yeah. And get started on ours if you want. Yeah. With that, we love you guys. Lab coats off. Bye. We out.